to you the latest episode of Seven Sisters Speak. This episode, we're talking about March Madness because we're mad and we have every right to be. There's a lot going on in our world today that has us upset, to be honest with you. And that's okay. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be the quote unquote crazy lady. So thanks for joining us as we talk about the things that have us mad. But to start off on a positive note, we're going to start with our sister shout out. Melinda. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda. Our sister shout out today is my new shero, <laughs> Senator Stephanie Flowers from Arkansas. I'm sure you've seen the video go viral where she stood her ground in the Arkansas legislature. And I think it sounded like they were talking about a proposal for the stand your ground with Mm -hmm. the guns. Mm -hmm. And her issue, it sounds like, was they were just trying to quickly pass this law without any debate. And she wanted to at least have a good debate about it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this lady was so passionate talking about the gun violence. She has a son, of course, an African-American son. And of course, like myself and mothers of African-American males, this makes us mad. This whole stand your ground. And so I looked up something about her. She's an attorney and she is the daughter of a civil rights hero, William Harold Flowers. So it's in her blood to be a fighter. Mm -hmm. And so Senator Flowers, thank you for not letting your voice be silent. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Shout out to Senator Flowers. Mm-hmm. Do y'all want to review her passionate speech so then we can take time to unpack it? Sure. sure. Yeah. I'll be as quick as I can, as quick as it takes to kill somebody, I guess. You want me to be that quick. But, you know, as uh, Miss Fletcher pointed out, and it doesn't take much to look on the local news every night and see how many black kids, black boys, black men are being killed with these stand-your-ground defenses that these people raise, then they get off. So I take issue with that. I'm the only person here of color, okay? I am a mother, too. And I have a son. And I care as much for my son as y'all care for y'all's. But my son doesn't walk the same path as yours does. So this debate deserves more time. So look, let's take a minute to unpack what State Senator Stephanie Flowers said. First of all, how many of us have felt like her? I'm the only person of color up in Mm -hmm. here. And Mm -hmm. what do you do? Mm -hmm. You know? Well, I think she did one courageous thing, express herself exactly how she felt about it and I'm sure many of us feel the same way because when you have a conviction you become you know what I don't really care anymore I'm going to use this platform to express myself to let people know it's so much uh, injustice done to us as people of color so some of us have to take a stand and when you take that stand that means you are fearless And somebody's going to listen. 
And I think, too, we kind of look back at another speech that she did, mm-hmm. and you just learned more about her and her background. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. she's very passionate about this issue of gun control because she shared in that other speech how one of her sisters, mm-hmm. 19 years old, mm-hmm. was killed on a college campus. Right. And her brother in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. okay, and then coming back and struggling with that. So she has an upfront, close, personal Mm -hmm. experience with this. So I think, you know, just looking at her outside of knowing that background, I think knowing that background gives us a little more insight into why she's so passionate about that. And I think people should understand when people are passionate like that, they have a reason. A story. A story to tell. Exactly. And I think so many times when people are passionate like that, people get caught up in who they are and what they look like and they don't listen to the message in terms of what they are saying and what the motivation is behind them saying Mm -hmm. that. And I feel that a lot of times as women of color, when we express, Mm -hmm. when we share our voice, there's so much focus on Oh, she she's upset. She's Mm -hmm. mad. Mm -hmm. This is what she looks Mm -hmm. like. Instead of listening to the essence Mm -hmm. of what we're actually saying, Mm -hmm. when there's injustice, people want justice. That's everybody across the board. When people have personal experiences, just like this lady experienced, just like a lot of us as women of color have experienced then we have a story and we have a voice and we want to share our voice. And I think that's the thing is that people are so caught up into that that they're not listening to the message. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the frustrating part, Mm -hmm. too, is because it's almost like, is it worth it? You know, if you're sitting at a table full of, you know, white men or white women who aren't you know, all they're going to do is look at you and say, oh, you're emotional, you're angry, mm-hmm. you're, you know, sometimes I guess it depends on what table you are at, what platform you have. Is it worth it for that moment? I think for her being an elective official, that's kind of what you want. You mm-hmm. want somebody that's going to go to bed mm-hmm. for your community, mm-hmm. for your rights. Mm-hmm. And that's why it is important for us to vote every chance we get. So although she, you know, was in a situation where she may have been standing there alone Mm -hmm. or, you know, in that room, the only one upset or passionate about it. You know, that's, she kind of took it within herself, like, hey, this is my platform. This is my job, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I respect her in that sense of, you know, her being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And saying firmly, she said, you can't silence me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you're not going to cut my time short. You're not going to make me whittle down what I have to say Mm -hmm. to fit into your time constraints because what I have to say is important and it means a lot not only to me but to my community to Mm -hmm. other people and that's another thing I really took away from her she said you know not only that she was a mother of a black son Mm -hmm. but she talked about other black boys and girls the Mm -hmm. idea of community the idea of the NAACP being there Mm -hmm. and giving them a chance to speak you know and we all are affected differently, but we all are affected. And sometimes if you have a voice like she does or a platform like she does, it's good to use it for people who don't have that same voice yes. or platform. But yes. sometimes we need the courage to do that. Right. And then how do we get that courage? Mm-hmm. Because we may be in situations, say, that we feel like we may be jeopardizing our job, our mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. our relationship with other people. Right. And so how do we 
overcome those fears or is it, you know, every person has to individually decide this is the day I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, right. make my voice here, her. But how do we kind of deal with that yeah. kind of fear and know when is the time? I think when you have a conviction, mm-hmm. you become fearless. And I think that's one of the answers. When you have a conviction, mm-hmm. a strong conviction about something, you're going to become fearless. And you're not going to worry about what somebody think and what somebody think you should be like mm-hmm. or what you should say. And I think that's where she is. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what I think, and I should be heard. But and I think said, not piggybacking on what you said, she had a conviction and that was her moment, but also making an individual choice. Okay, so you can't flip the table over at your job Mm because you need to pay your bills. What can you do? Can you mentor a child in your neighborhood? Can you vote? Can you donate to time or money yes. to campaigns of candidates that yes. support agendas right. that would make life better for you and your community? Right. I mean, what can you do individually? Exactly. Right. We can't all be Stephanie exactly. Flowers. I wish exactly. I could. Right. We can't all do exactly. that. But what can we do where we are? Yes. You know? That's so important because I think when we start asking those questions, then those opportunities become available. Right. And just like you said, just mentoring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. such a need for mentorship. Right. Um, I mentor this young lady of color and it's like they're looking for volunteers for people especially people of color Mm -hmm. to mentor that because to be honest with you when I go into those classrooms the Mm -hmm. after school program Mm -hmm. it's like it's not as many people of color that I would like to see volunteering Volunteering. you know but anybody who wants to mentor kudos to them you know whatever they look like but I think it's good when kids see somebody that actually looks like them so looking asking that question and then being aware of those opportunities Mm -hmm. as well. And then just in in terms about, you know, speaking out, sharing our voices, I think when we're in environments where we may be the only person of color, then, and we have a conviction, I think we need to recognize it and then really kind of count the cost Mm -hmm. in terms of the consequences. If I say something, who do I need to say it to? Mm -hmm. And realizing that it may not be received to a certain degree, but is it important enough for me based on my conviction Mm -hmm. to share my voice? Because I think that there are, again, times when we have that strong conviction and we know like within ourselves Mm -hmm. when we need to speak and having the courage to speak. And just like mom was saying, realizing that conviction is so strong that we've kind of counted the costs and mm-hmm. we have come to the point where, you know, there may be some type of cost that I have mm-hmm. to pay, mm-hmm. but it's worth it for me to share my voice because my voice is important. convicted what back in the summer of tax fraud right among other things bank fraud right failure to disclose a foreign bank account owing the irs what millions of Mm -hmm. dollars and now he 
he's been sentenced to less than four years in prison. Now, from my understanding, and most lawyers and attorneys are talking about this, under federal sentencing guidelines, he could have faced up to 20 to 24 years in prison. How did that go from 20 to 24 years to less than four months? And Melinda, let's just remind our listeners in case they forgot. Paul Manafort is the former campaign manager of y'all's president, Donald the well, clown Trump. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all's president. Yeah, and that's, that's a whole nother He's not our president level. because he doesn't want to be our right. president. He doesn't so act as the president right, to me. Right, right. So that's so, why I do not claim him. But that's who Paul Manafort is. Exactly. I've never <laughs> heard of a president having a baby. I thought you, you were president. Once you, you become president, you should yeah. be president of So you, you mad about that, Mom? I'm mad about that. <laughs> March Madness! <laughs> <laughs> but look, what about this judge that they, they sentenced yes, him? Yes. Yes. Tell us, who is this guy? Now, just quickly, I looked, I looked him up, T.S. Ellis. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan. Okay, Ronald Reagan. He served from 81 to 80. I think the guy's about 78 years old now. So, um, And he said yes. this guy, he lived a Exemplary life before. Did he? I mean, <laughs> what did he do anyway? What was his job before he was on Trump's campaign manager? By the way, and he was good to his family. All of these excuses, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a reason to give him a light sentence. And I was looking. Someone was saying they had a client who was offered what about three to six years for just stealing a hundred dollars in coins from a laundromat. Mm. And this dude, like, what? Yeah. He essentially mm-hmm. stole a million dollars from, from the, the government. IRS, from, from the, the government. government. Right. Yeah. <laughs> While y'all were wondering where your tax returns are. And let's not talk about we still have not seen the president's tax return. Right. That's a whole nother. That's a whole that's nother show. Mad. That's a whole nother show. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We mad about that too. <laughs> so, I mean, that backs the question. What about these judges? How are they appointed and what's going on with that? So, you know what's really scary? So, I have been paying attention to this. You know, because people say, oh, I don't need to vote. Oh, it doesn't matter. They're the same people. Or there's no impact. The president doesn't really do anything anyway. Let me tell you what the president does. He appoints federal judges judges. who serve for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And with the U.S. Senate being majority Republican, these Appointments are going through at record time. The Trump administration more than doubled the number of judges it confirmed to federal appeals courts in 2018, exceeding the pace of the last five presidents and stocking the courts with lifetime appointments who could have profound consequences for civil rights, the environment, and government regulations. That's according to NPR. And these people are appointed to serve for life in a lot of cases. The next generation. Generation after that, too. Yes. Considering he they just appointed a 36-year-old who has never been lead on a case. 
Uh, she has a background with a conservative organization. And of course, this is all public. Allison Jones Rushing. Yes, it is public information. I mean, Google it if you don't believe us. That's, that's okay. <laughs> Look it up. We're not making this stuff up. She worked for Alliance Defending Freedom, a conservative Christian organization that has been classified as a hate group Christian. by wow. the Southern Poverty Jesus. Law Center. Oh, wow. She's practiced law for nine years. Mm-hmm. She has only tried to verdict or judgment for cases and has never been lead on any of them. And she has been appointed to serve as a federal judge for a lifetime for a life and she's 36 and she's 36 so how many years is that i mean at least 66 50 at least right exactly 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 so tell me something has he appointed a person of color to end up these positions you know i don't know the answer to that but We'll look, it up. Think, we'll look it up, but I would think no, because he seems to appoint all the black people to HUD because it has the word urban in it. So he thinks that's where we belong. That's where we belong. Whether you have credentials to do that or not, right. even that, they don't. right? You don't, but if you're black, you can work for HUD according to mm-hmm. him. And Dee Dee. yes, you know, you were saying that people say, "What well, does it matter if I don't vote?" Yeah. And even, you know, when I talk about these issues to some people, they're like, hey, it doesn't affect me. But it does Does. affect you when you have certain people on the bench for a lifetime. Right. And like Althea said, this is going to affect generation after generation. Mm -hmm. And as people of color, Mm -hmm. we need to be concerned. Very concerned. Right. We should have been concerned in 2016. Absolutely. But we really need to be concerned now. To change the tide. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have to. I mean, literally, I feel like we're voting for our lives yeah. or the lives of our children yeah, or grandchildren exactly. at this point. Exactly. And voting is just one solution. What are some other solutions you guys think we can come up? Because we're mad. We we have <laughs> we have established that. Yeah, exactly. and but we what do we do with that? That's the thing. We need to channel this anger mm-hmm. right. in a positive way that right. will bring about solutions. Mm-hmm. We, because we can't change the past, mm-hmm. but we can mm-hmm. be aware of what's happening now right. and strategize in terms of how we can have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can even reiterate just more about voting in every election, especially in the local Local election, because Mm -hmm. that is a direct indication in terms of your quality of life. Mm -hmm. So voting, letting our voice be known is just so it's so crucial Mm -hmm. for us to do that. Yep. And I was um, thinking about our second podcast, remember, Who Rules the World? Mm -hmm. We talked about voting and African-American women's involvement in the past and Mm -hmm. now even present. And so I got an invitation to attend a legislative day Mm -hmm. in my state, at my Mm -hmm. state capitol. That's something I've never done before. Mm -hmm. But after doing that show and just realizing the importance, like Mm -hmm. Althea said, getting involved on the local level. So I'm going to go and just... They're going to be talking about issues that affect women, children of color, people yep. of color. So at least it's a start because yes. we're mad. I get mad and upset and talk about all these issues. But here's a tangible way that I can mm-hmm. begin the process of trying to become part of the solution. Yeah, exactly. I agree. So when is this, when is this meeting? Or in, this in a couple of weeks. 
in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Have any of you ever gone to the capital, your capital here in Virginia? I have. When I was a, we here in Richmond, and when I was a student in college I here, that. I did some volunteer work in the lieutenant governor's office mm-hmm. there. And even before that, I volunteered on the campaign my senior year for Doug Wilder, who okay. was the first black elected governor mm-hmm. here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I tried to stay up on it, but you know, it's a, I, I even feel like it's a lot more mm-hmm. that I can yeah. do. Right. And mm-hmm. I think also having dialogue mm-hmm. with people on a, this is a platform that we've created, right, right. you know, to do that, to reach out to the audience at large, but also people, our friends, people that we yes. work with, people who we've have we're having these conversations with it because one of the things that we don't want to do is to become so stagnant that we become just used to it and, and it becomes the status quo right and, and we're okay with and it. we're okay with right. it. Mm-hmm. and that's right. why it's good to have healthy anger mm-hmm. and to channel that in a positive way yeah i agree and i i see the value in even talking to people, your friends who may have a different point of view in politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have friends and their political views are totally different from me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we can still have a conversation and then we can focus our conversation mm-hmm. around the things that we have in common. Mm-hmm. OK, and what mm-hmm. can we do? What can we find in common? And sometimes just talking about communicating, they may see my point of view. I may, you know, at least ponder and think right. about, you right. know, not that I'm going to come to the mm-hmm. same agreement, but, you know, we agree to disagree mm-hmm. and still try to bond around those things that we have in common. So for me, I'm just learning, hey, if someone has a opposing opinion, that's OK. You know, mm-hmm. still stand your ground like right. Senator Flowers. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think that's something that recently we are lacking the, the the ability to engage in civil discourse yes. Yes. we're so divided yes. that it's it's difficult to even engage exactly. because you feel like the lines are drawn in it the is. sand yes. and it's almost like literally people who are in opposition to you are in opposition to your whole humanity, exactly. your person. Yes. So it's, it's Which is very so difficult. Yeah, it's right. very mm-hmm. difficult to engage in that civil discourse. Yeah. yeah, because one of the things that the senator said is, you know what, we can agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. What happened to being able to agree right. to disagree? Right. right. Because we might have a disagreement. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to kill you. Right. It's going to shoot you or, or you don't matter as a person. Right. right. And that's the but sad that's part. that's how it feels, it's, it's, it right? Does. Yeah, it really it feels does. like that. D- divisiveness. Mm-hmm. And so... Any other solutions? I mean, I like what you said, the mentoring program, Mm -hmm. reaching back, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching out to the younger generation. Exactly. And having that dialogue with them in terms of where they are Mm -hmm. and having conversation with them, Mm -hmm. because a lot of what's going on now, they don't know what's going on. They don't realize the impact of it. But you having that conversation Mm -hmm. with them can really make a difference. And that's something, you know, one hour out of the week. Mm-hmm. I mean, all a lot of schools have these after-school programs, and yeah. they are just—they are always looking for people who are willing right. to to mentor. Because you don't realize how important it is for young people to see something different exactly. outside of themselves. Exactly. You know, we were fortunate in that we were presented with a lot of opportunities yes. or at least there was a lot of potential for you to but a lot of young people 
don't know more than what they see every exactly. day. Exactly. And mentoring and volunteering is a way to expose them to something outside of what they see exactly. every day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is so true. So important. Yeah. So, well, that's great. So what does everybody, does anybody have any thoughts on what they're going to do once we walk out this door to be part of the solution? Again, so after the election in 2016, I was like, what am I going to do with all this frustration and energy? So I did everything. I joined the NAACP. I joined the County Democratic Party. I became active in my sorority. So I feel like I need to probably focus a little bit more, which I think I have found where I'm going to focus my energy. But I think it is important that you give what you can. If it's not money, if you have time, give your time, your ideas, your talents, whatever it is to work towards incremental changes Mm -hmm. and maybe not on the global level or even the national level but Mm -hmm. like you said right where Mm -hmm. I am my community Mm -hmm. my district Mm -hmm. my state Mm -hmm. my county Mm -hmm. anybody else I'm intrigued by some of the younger generation their attitudes and their commitment to being involved in politics Mm -hmm. and social changes Mm -hmm. and so I've come across a couple of projects that some of these young people yes. are engaged in. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't I support them? Mm, that's the Help one. them to see their vision. Yep. And so that's something that I'm going to try to do. Good. I think for me, continuing in mentoring mm-hmm. other, especially young women of color, has been passionate. And I've got an opportunity to do that. I was actually doing a presentation And one of the young ladies, she was the only young lady of color in the audience. And she came up to me afterwards and we were just having this conversation about her background and her exposure to financial literacy. And she was telling me she grew up in an urban environment. And when she was in high school, she was able to go to a school that was only 20 minutes from where she lived. But she said it was a totally different culture that she didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. You know, she was saying that her senior year, they went to a conference and it was her first time flying on the plane, you know, just just flying. And all of her classmates were like, what? You know, and she's saying how awkward it was when she went to the airport. Mm -hmm. Classmates were like, well, we've been flying ever since we were kids. You know, and she was saying just little things like that. Right. The difference that it made in terms of opening her eyes. Mm -hmm. And as a result, she has a passion in terms of financial literacy to be able to take that back to the environment that she came up with. So we've actually joined in terms of a partnership, in terms of making that become a reality Mm -hmm. and just being able to partner with her having the same passion. So really, the mentoring, I think, Mm -hmm. is something that I see is very effective in a way to make a difference in the next generation. And of course, voting. We can do that. Let's start there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And let and have that conversation. Let people your vote makes a difference. Right. Definitely. And for those of us like Nikki and I who have young children Mm -hmm. now, 
you know, instilling the importance of that in them, like mom and daddy did to us. You know, it was, you know, they drilled in us. People fought and died for us to be able to vote. It's not something to be taken lightly. So to instill that value in them and not just vote, but be informed, pay Mm -hmm. attention to what's going on Mm -hmm. around you so that you can make good decisions when it's time for you to vote. Exactly, exactly. To seek out the information too. Mm-hmm. Say what? Mm-hmm. I said to seek out the information too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not believe everything, every soundbite right. you hear. Learn to become critical yeah. users of information. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, listeners, thank you so much for joining us for March Madness. And just remember that we can always channel our anger in a positive manner. So, we want to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram at Seven Sisters Speak. That's the number seven. Also on Facebook at Seven Sisters Speak. And also on Twitter at Seven Sisters. You can also reach us through our website, which is www.sevensistersspeak.com. Seven Sisters Speak, the voice of women who look like us.